scripture reading this morning is Exodus 6, verses 1 through 9. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them from his land. To Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slave, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray as we turn to this word. Father, we do ask that you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to understand, and wills to obey, that we might see Jesus high and lifted up. In his name we pray. Amen. What do you do when you're confronted with the problem of the gap between the promise and the present? What do you do when you're confronted with the problem of the gap between the promise and the present? This is a problem that we all face in many ways. Think about it in our relational lives. We're promised relationships that are flourishing, that are budding, that are full of life in our marriages, with our children, with our roommates, with our friends. And then in the present, we experience difficulty in those relationships, challenges and trials in those relationships. Think about it in our work lives. We're promised satisfying, engaging work. And then in the present, we might be bored and frustrated with our coworkers, with our bosses, with what's entrusted to us. Think about it in relation to our health. We may be facing a, a difficulty, a trial in our bodies, and we go to a doctor, and their doctor has so much promise to give to us, saying this medication will work, this protocol will work, but in the present, we're still sick, we're still weak, we're still looking for answers. Think about it in the political realm. We all have great hopes and promises that a new political leader will do what he actually says he's going to do, the promises that he makes to us. But then in the present, there's a gap. Things tend to remain the same. What do we do when we're confronted with the gap between promise and the present? Friends, this is a human problem. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian here this morning or if you're one that is exploring the reality of the Christian faith. Faith. This is a problem that we all face. 
And our text this morning confronts us with this problem in acute and in particular ways. And it gives us two options to deal with this problem. Verse 9 highlights the first option. Verse 9 says that after Moses spoke these words to the Israelites, they did not listen to Moses, and they became, or their spirits were broken because of their harsh slavery. Verse 9 highlights this first response, a defeatist mentality when we're faced with this gap between the promise and the present. A defeatist mentality, to be defeated by the present, to be those who refuse to hope, those who refuse to dream and to pray, refuse to believe. And we can understand why Israel responded to Moses' words in these ways. They had been experiencing great darkness, great difficulty in their lives. They'd been slaves for some time. And they'd been hearing of these promises that God would deliver them, that God would free them. Now, as Moses comes to them, you can understand their confusion. You can understand their questions. Who is this Moses? Is he on our side? Or is he going to betray us? Is this Moses strong enough to do what he's saying will happen? Is he good enough? Who is Moses in relation to Pharaoh and his army? to Pharaoh's power, to Pharaoh's might. And more than this, who is this God that Moses is speaking on behalf of? Is this God trustworthy? Is this God reliable? And rather than leaning into those questions in the affirmative, yes, we believe you, Moses. Yes, we trust the God on whose behalf you are speaking. Israel refuses to believe. Israel is dejected by these words of promise. They're defeated by their harsh slavery. They refuse to hope, refuse to listen. Their spirits defeat them. And friends, the same is true for many of us. We can get into ruts in our lives. We can begin to look at our harsh circumstances and we can have a defeated spirit. And if somebody comes to us with a promise of hope, with the promise of change, with the promise that things will be different this time around, often our prayers go unanswered. Often we're stuck in the same vicious cycles. We're stuck in the same ruts. Often the plans that we say are going to be put into place aren't actually practiced. And so like Israel, we can sometimes refuse to listen when someone promises us that things will be different this time around that things will really and truly change. We can refuse to let our broken spirits dream. We can refuse to believe that our harsh circumstances will actually change. All of us are faced with this tension, the tension of the gap between the promise and the present. And friends, some of us are facing it in pretty acute ways, in our relational lives, in our work lives, in our bodies, and our health. And some of us are here this morning struggling to hope, struggling to dream, struggling to believe that things will be different. And so we look out at our lives and we see the option in this text that Israel does and we, says, we say that's our option this morning. That's what we're going to do today. And sometimes it may be the best and the wisest 
option. Friends, Christianity isn't Pollyannish. Christianity accounts for the reality of suffering. Christianity accounts for the reality of darkness and pain in our lives and in our world. Christianity accounts for the reality of broken spirits, of harsh circumstances. It accounts for pharaohs and slaves, for powers, for authorities, for cancer, for death, for divorce, for disease. And sometimes as we look at our lives, our circumstances are beyond our ability to control them, beyond our ability to understand them. And so sometimes not believing seems to be the best option. And sometimes it is the best option. But Christianity and the biblical story always presents another option, a bigger option, a different option. And the second option that our text presents is that you can actually struggle with God and listen to God and deal with God in the reality of your harsh circumstances, in the reality of your broken spirit. You can turn to God. You can listen to God. You can hear his words as he speaks words of comfort and love to you. And in order to turn and have this be an option in your life, you really have to understand a couple of things about God. First, you have to know who he is. And our text makes this so plain and so clear in beautiful ways. Several times in our text, God tells us, I am. I am the Lord. I am the God who will act on your behalf. So first, know who God is, that he is the Lord. He is the one who is faithful to keep all of his promises. Verse 3 tells us that to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he didn't make himself known as the Lord, but rather as the God who is powerful, the God who is mighty. And what he is telling us now is that he's continuing to disclose more and more of his personality, more and more of who he is. And this is true in any relationship. When we begin a relationship, we get to know that person a little bit. And as we move closer and closer in that relationship, we discover so much more about that person over time. And what God is telling his people in this text is that he is the I am, the Lord, who is faithful to his promises. He's the God who makes promises and keeps those promises. Friends, the story of Scripture is a story of our God who keeps his promises, who keeps faith, who is faithful to all that he says he will do. And our only way of hoping, our only way of believing, our only way of having assurance in the midst of harsh circumstances, in the midst of broken spirits, is to know this God who is speaking to us. And to know that this God who is speaking his words of comfort and life and love to us, that he is faithful. Our God is faithful. He's been faithful to Abraham. He's been faithful to Isaac, faithful to Jacob, faithful to Moses, faithful to Israel. And he continues to be faithful to us. So friends, if you find yourself overwhelmed by your current circumstances, turn to God. 
Listen to the God who keeps faith forever. Know that he is the I am, that he is the Lord, that he is bigger than your circumstances, and that he loves you, and that he's promised to carry you, and to free you, and to save you. Know who your God is. He is the I am. He is the Lord. Second, know who your God or what your God will do. He will act. He will save. He will deliver. Seven times in the verses that we've read, he says to us, I will. I will. I will. God wants Moses and God wants his people to know that his promises are perfect and complete and whole and that nothing will stop them. He will act on his people's behalf. Pharaoh won't be able to stop them. Slavery won't be able to stop them. No burden will be able to stop them. God will act. God will deliver. God will rescue his people. And as the story unfolds, these I wills become true. God does exactly for his people what he promises to do. He is faithful to all of his promise. He fulfills everything in Exodus 6 that we just read about. Israel is finally freed. Egypt is delivered. They enter into the promised land. God is faithful to everything that he says. And as the story of scripture continues to unfold, God continues to make promises to his people saying over and over again throughout the pages of Scripture, I will. I will do this for you. I will act on behalf of you. I will do everything that I've said I will do. And eventually, God makes a promise, I will come myself. I will come to you. I'll no longer send people like Moses and David and Daniel, and Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. Rather, I will come. I will act. I will deliver. And friends, God was faithful to those promises. In the fullness of time, God did come. He sent his son to come and deliver his people from the greater burden, from, give to them the greater deliverance, and even that under Pharaoh and Egypt. He came to deliver his people from sin and death and evil through the life and death and resurrection and ascension of his son. God did come. God was faithful. So as you're confronted with the problem between the present and the promise, you can turn to your circumstances and you can say, I'm overwhelmed by them, I'm defeated by them. Or you can turn to the I am who has promised and he has acted and he will continue to act to deliver you. And friends, some of you need to turn to the I am this morning in real and significant and in radical ways. Some of you need to turn to him for the first time ever in your life or for the first time in a very long time. You'd need to do business with the God who is your God the God who made you, the God who sustains you, the God who loves you, and you need to turn to him and wrestle with him. 
You need to look beyond your circumstances to this promise-keeping God. And others of you need to keep turning, keep returning, keep wrestling, keep crying out. Because Scripture accounts for the harsh circumstances that we face in life. Scripture accounts for our suffering and our pain and our promise. The promise that God may not act immediately. God may not act in your time. Scripture accounts for the reality that sometimes God deliver, God's deliverance takes longer than we wish. But sometimes it only takes three days. Sometimes God acts quickly and decisively. Sometimes God takes longer. But what I can say to you this morning, as you wrestle with your own circumstances, as you cry out to God, how long, O Lord, when will you act? When will you deliver? When will you save? I can say that God has promised that he will save you and that God is faithful to those promises. And God says to us in his word, I will wipe away tears. I will destroy death. I will end disease. I will end mourning and sadness and suffering. He may not end all of these things in our lifetime. And that's uh, the harsh reality that we live in a broken world. But he has promised to make all things new. So as you wrestle with the problem between the promise and the present, keep turning to the I am. Keep turning to the faithful God, the God who keeps promises on behalf of his people. Friends, Moses didn't, or God didn't send Moses one time just to speak on behalf of the people, to speak his promises to his people. God sent Moses over and over and over again. And oftentimes, actually most of the time, Israel didn't listen. Israel refused to obey. Israel hardened their hearts. But God in his kindness and his love kept sending Moses to speak words of comfort, words of promise, words of hope and encouragement to them. And because we follow this covenant-keeping God, we this morning can hear him. We this morning can respond in faith. And because of Christ, God still sends people into his world to speak words of hope especially to those who are suffering, especially to those who are mourning, especially to those who are enduring harsh circumstances and may have defeated spirits. And friends, through the spirit of Christ, he sends people like you and me to push against the darkness, to bring words of hope and healing and love to people around us. And this is a place where God is present the I am is with us this morning. And the I am is acting and will act in our community as we hear his promises. And then as we're sent out from this place into his world to bring his healing, love, and grace to broken relationships, broken bodies, broken dreams. As we embody these future promises, even now in the present in small but real ways, as we speak hopes or words of hope and love and encouragement to those around us, God always sends us out, just like he sent Moses out, to speak these words of comfort, these words of promise. And so as we follow our 
faith-keeping God, our promise-keeping God, God will send you to speak and live these promises in your households, to your neighbors, to your friends, to your roommates, to your colleagues. And as God sends you this week into a world that's struggling to know how to live in the gap between the promise and the present, let me remind you just of a few things. Number one, often the people that God sends us to are people that are suffering under broken spirits and harsh circumstances. People are suffering under broken spirits and harsh circumstances. And often they've been suffering with this for some time. So as you go to them to speak words of comfort and love, to speak the promises of Scripture to them, be careful, be kind, be considerate. Don't crush them. Listen well. Speak the truth in love. Speak the promises of God to them. Speak words of Scripture, these words of hope and healing to them. Number two, as you get sent out into the world to embody God's grace, to live in the gap between the promise and the present, realize that you are not someone's manager or Messiah. God isn't sending you to fix them. God isn't sending you to save them. God isn't sending you into their lives for you to be the hero. You're not the hero of their story. God is. Only God is. You're simply a mover. You're simply seeking to move them a little bit closer to God. Notice in our text that Moses doesn't say anything of himself. Moses doesn't speak his own words. Moses doesn't speak his own wisdom. Moses only speaks God's word. Moses enters into this dark and difficult situation and only speaks what he hears from God and only tells the people of Israel, this is who your God is and this is what your God has promised. And that's liberating for us. That's freeing for us as we enter into people's stories, into their brokenness, into their pain. Our job is simply to move them a little bit closer to God, to speak God's words of comfort and promise and healing to them. Number three, often people won't listen. As you seek to engage them in the promises of God, often they're not going to listen. Meaningful change is difficult. People get stuck in ruts for a reason. Be patient. Change takes time. So as God sends you to speak his promises, know that he is with you. You are not alone. He will sustain you and he will support you as you love others in his name. God had to tell Moses over and over and over again, I am with you. Even though these people aren't going to listen to you right now, I am with you. So as you go, and you minister in his name, as you speak words of comfort and challenge, realize that God is with you and that you need patience. And fourth and finally, you must see through the eyes of faith. Verse 1 tells us that God says to Moses, now you shall see. Now you shall see. It would have been easy for Moses just to focus on the circumstances, 
we're a, a small people in the midst of this huge empire with all of their powers, all of their authority. How in the world are we going to be freed from them? And God says to Moses, now you shall see. You must see through the eyes of faith. Christianity is holy seeing. Christianity is imaginative seeing. It says, look at what is in front of you. But don't only look at what's in front of you. Look beyond that to something bigger, to something greater. You must have the eyes of faith. You must have wisdom and patience and grace to keep seeing beyond your circumstances to a better hope, to a brighter future. I have a friend who runs a ministry here in town called Texas Reach Out Ministry. It's a ministry that works with former inmates and helps them to transition back into to society, to, to find jobs, to re-engage with uh, relationships with, with family in particular, and, and helps them to be able to do this well, to do it uh, in a godly way. And my friend David Pena, who runs this ministry, knows their stories well, because he once was imprisoned. Uh, he once was uh, a criminal who was convicted and was in prison for a long, long time himself. And as I've interacted with David over the years, I've asked him this question a number of times. David, how, how do you continue in this ministry? It's a beautiful ministry. It's an amazing ministry, but it's also a really challenging and, and difficult ministry. How do you continue? How do you endure? How do you not have a spirit of brokenness as you look out into the harsh circumstances that the, you're, the people that you're ministering to face? And David answers like this. He says, God's given me eyes to see beyond present circumstances, beyond present realities. God's given me eyes to see that he is the I am who is at work in his world to redeem others. This God has redeemed me from my past. And he's given me eyes to see that he's still at work to redeem others in his name. That he is God who saves that he is God who delivers. And so as I look out at the ministry and at the people that I seek to serve, I don't do so looking at their circumstances. Rather, I do so in the joy and in the hope of the gospel, in the hope of the God who delivers, the God who redeems, the God who frees, the God who renews crushed spirits, who acts to rescue his people. And friends, the same is true for us as we're sent from this place now to go out into God's good world, to minister in our own lives and the lives of others in this tension, in this gap between the promise and the present, we do so as those who belong to the I am, the faithful, covenant-keeping God. So let's live in his world in that hope in light of his grace. Let me pray for us. Father, we do thank you that you send people like Moses into your world and you can send, continue to send people to your world to enact your promises that you are the I am, that you are the faithful God. Thank you especially for sending Jesus. Thank you especially for sending his Holy Spirit and now through him for sending us to be his ministers in his world. And so, Lord, as we are sent from this place into your good world this week, we ask that you'd give us 
eyes to see, to see beyond circumstances, and that you'd give us patience to listen, and that you'd give us the grace to speak as we seek to move people closer to you to believe and obey your promises.